Hello, you are listening to Short Stories by Chris Morris, and my name is Chris Morris. This week, I have a story for you that I wrote kind of a long time ago. I wrote it in 2012, I believe. It's called Night Visitor, and it's a bit of a spooky one. Uh, So, the origins of this one. I have uh, three um, stories that have been published in books, and I'm, I'm proud of all of them. The first two were when I was in primary school, so actually one of them was a poem, and uh, it was uh, it was for a collection of poems by school children. Uh, I think they kind of went round schools and asked teachers to you know submit um, some of the the best poems that that their students had had written, and um, we had based our poems off of a poem called "My Paint Box" or "The Paint Box." I can't remember, and I can't remember who. Um, the author of that poem was, but uh, we basically just kind of copied that poem. And but mine's was mine's was good, and uh, it was read out in class and whatever, and it was published in in the little collection. I. Uh, a couple of years later, there was another little competition that I just entered myself, uh, Mini Sagas, which was actually really challenging. It was, uh, you had to write a whole story in 50 words or less. And at the time I thought, yeah, easy peasy. But um, it, it was, as you can imagine, pretty challenging. The third thing that I've been published in was an, an anthology in 2013 uh, by a company, publishing company called Weird, uh, Weird Books. Weird spelled W-Y-R-D. And really, sadly, they're not a thing anymore. They, um, I don't know what happened to them. I think they maybe went into administration or something happened. But they ran a competition uh, called Weirds. It was for it was for um, a collection they wanted to put together called Weird Stories, and um, they just wanted authors to submit short stories uh, that had a sort of supernatural kind of theme. So I uh, wrote this story, Night Visitor, for. At this um, competition, and it was accepted, and it was published in their in their book, which was really nice. And I'm holding the book in my hands just now. It's a nice little book, um, sort of purplish kind of cover, and lots of birds uh, flying. Kind of kind of looks really ominous actually. And I read a few of these stories, and uh, I really I've really enjoyed every story that I read. But I wondered. I'd done some research uh, this morning, and uh, I wondered if there was any authors who are part of this collection who have, you know, went on and, and done other things and maybe, you know, uh, authors I might have even heard of. I didn't recognise any of the names of authors as, as I read through. But after some research, I found uh, this author, Viv Lane, who submitted a story and who is in this book as well. She wrote a story in the book called A Night of Dark Intent, which I hadn't read before. And I've actually, just before hitting records, have read the story and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't tell you too much about it um, without giving it away and without kind of interfering with her sort of copyright of the story, I suppose. Um, but it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And I found... Uh, oh, I, I can read you this bit, sorry. I can read um, the bit at the end. I, it's got her biography. It says, Viv has spent time in both Australia and America, but now lives in East Devon. She has just completed a fantasy novel, The Hollow Moon, and is now looking for an agent. And I found on Amazon, her book is available to buy, The Hollow Moon. It's available in paperback format and also in uh, as a Kindle edition. And um, if I can reach out, the um, the sort of, uh, uh, what it says, the, the sort of blurb. Why do local people avoid Barrow Woods? 
Are the deaths there really due to natural causes, or does something sinister lurk in its shadows? Nikki Hunter learns the truth when she encounters the Side. I think it's Side. S I D H E. The beautiful but deadly guardians of the land. Forced into a conflict between two worlds, ancient and modern, Nikki must choose where her loyalties lie, knowing that whatever choice she makes, it could result in the destruction of everything she loves. I really like the sound of that, and I think I'm going to get it and read it. Because her short story in the uh, Weird Stories collection was fantastic. Um, and it, it has ratings on Amazon, it's got six ratings, every single one of them five stars. So I just thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, I picked up this this anthology book that I'm part of for the first time in a few years there um, to read my story out to you on my podcast um, and I discovered this cool little one and also that you know she's got a book um, out on Amazon as well which has done fairly well. Alright, so without much further ado I just thought it'd be a nice little story to start with. Here is my submission for Weird Stories. Uh, this is Night Visitor. Hope you enjoy. As his dream slowly faded to a greyish blur, Albert flinched and awakened in his cold sitting room. He had known the instant his wife's glowing and smiling face had appeared that reality had been left behind. His beloved Bridget was long gone, and there was nothing he could have done about it. At first he hadn't recognised her. Her face was eclipsed by some sort of veil. But he easily identified the necklace that she would always wear, the one with the silver chain and the bright jewel in the middle. Closing his eyes once more, Albert tried to drift off again to join Bridget wherever she was, but it was no use. He simply wasn't comfortable enough. Perhaps it was the sofa. He had fallen asleep on the thing countless times in his old age, and never did he get a decent sleep on it. Or perhaps it was the advertisements on the television which had been left on. Or perhaps it was the chill of the cold night air trickling in from the open front door. With a groan, Albert lifted himself from the sofa and made his way out into the hall to close the front door, pondering what circumstances led to it being open. He remembers not only closing the door but also locking it with his key and with the chain. He has grown hard of hearing, but if anyone had managed to break into his house, surely he would have awoken to the noise of someone destroying the door. There were no marks on the door. Nothing appeared to have been touched. Albert peered out into the darkness of the night and saw nothing but a few drops of rain beginning to fall. With a quiet breath he muttered a low, Hello? To which nobody answered. He slowly pushed the door shut, taking extra care to lock its key and chain, and returned to the sitting room to switch off the television. It was time for a long sleep. He switched off the lights to the sitting room and returned to the hall en route to the bedroom and the front door was open. Impossible. There it stood as open as a chasm. Perhaps in his old age, Albert was going mad. Perhaps he hadn't woken at all, and this was all some bizarre dream. Wandering slowly over to the door once more, with a deep breath, Albert shouted warnings to anyone who might be there. He would break their legs, he would call the police, or he would set his dog upon them. The latter might have been true if it hadn't died six years ago. Making sure to firmly lock the door one last time, then peering out of the peephole to find nothing there, Albert went to bed. 
He changed into his dressing robe, switched off the bedroom lights and climbed into his bed. He always slept on the right side of the bed, the side that she used to sleep on. Sometimes at night he could swear that he could still smell her, that naturally sweet scent of her perfume still resting on what was her pillow. Of course, he had changed the sheets and the pillowcases since her death, but the spiritual side of Albert's never lent him any doubts. Lying on her side helped Albert feel closer to Bridget, and never any closer than he felt tonight. Her perfume was substantially broad tonight, or so he thought. Albert, usually a swift and heavy sleeper, couldn't manage to drift off. Something kept distracting him. First it was the smell of his deceased wife, pungent through the entire room, and then it was a noise from outside his window. Thud, thud, thud. He couldn't quite put his finger on what it might be. At first he thought it was the wind knocking things about the garden, then realised that he couldn't hear any wind outside despite the rain, now beginning to get fairly heavy. Thud, thud, thud. The sound came now more forcefully and Albert became alarmed. Maybe it was some of the rain hitting hard against the window. No, too loud for that. The more Albert pondered, the more he began to think that the sound must have been caused by someone or something that was tapping against his window. Suddenly, Albert had a horrifying thought. I haven't drawn the curtains. Whoever, whatever was out there, was peering in at Albert, who had his back to the window. It must have been tapping at the window to get Albert's attention. Just ignore it, Albert thought. Whatever it is, it will go away. Thud, thud, thud. And what if it doesn't go away? What if this thing stays here all night, peering in? There was only one thing for it. As Albert turned over in his bed to face the window, a stroke of lightning illuminated the window in a gleaming white light, making clear the trees in the garden, the fence far away, the neighbouring houses from the next street, and a skeleton-like face staring in at Albert. Oh! Albert's scream was muffled by a clap of thunder as he rolled back towards Bridget's end of the bed, almost falling out. The face had only appeared for a second with the lightning and was gone as quickly as it had emerged. Albert paused for a moment, his gaze glued to the dark window, then he sprung out of his bed and moved quickly towards the window. He looked left and right, but could spot nothing in the wet garden. He shouted more warnings to scare away whoever had been at his window, drew the curtains and returned to his bed. As his heart resumed at its normal pace, Albert closed his eyes and tried once again to sleep. The noise at the window had gone, and Albert hoped that it might just have been his imagination. Nonetheless, he lay again with his back to the window, facing his bedroom door. Startled from the events of the night, Albert couldn't relax without having one last look around his room before committing to his sleep. Opening one eye, the first thing he noticed was his bedroom door. He remembered firmly shutting the door behind him upon entering the room, but looking at it now he saw the smallest of cracks between the edge of the door and the bedroom wall. Albert's gaze moved to the door handle. Through the dark he could just make out that it was not in its usual horizontal position. It was more diagonal and it was moving. This is it, thought Albert. Something was in his house, and it was coming to get him. But he would be ready. His cane was resting against the wall next to his cabinet. When this thing came into his room, Albert would be ready to whack it. If he could get to it on time. 
Albert tensed every muscle in his body in preparation for his defence. The door handle had returned to its usual horizontal position and through the tiny gap in the door Albert could see nothing but the cold darkness of the hall. Waiting in his bed still with just one eye open, the other resting against his pillow, Albert's heart was thumping. Just as it seemed as though nothing was going to happen after all, a white figure in the hall silently drifted past Albert's door and headed towards the sitting room as the skin across his entire body filled with goosebumps. His next move was vital. Should he stay in his bed and let the ghostly figure do its bidding? Or should he get up and explore the cold and empty house? So cold. Why was it so cold? Was the front door open again? Finally, Albert tried to follow the thing, to see why on earth it was here, in his house. He had lived in that house for 30 years. Surely, if it had been haunted, he would have known about it. After all, there was only one person to the best of Albert's knowledge that had died in the house. He left the bedroom and flicked on the switch to the hall's light. Nothing. He flicked it back and forth and still no light protruded from the bulb. He would have to face the thing alone, in the dark. Albert slowly walked up the hall towards the sitting room. From where he was he could see the front door, closed and locked as he had left it. He anxiously turned the handle of the sitting room's door, opened it with a creak and gasped. He had known it all by now, really. The smell, the face, the antics with the front door. It was all her doing. Of course it was, the prankster. But why now? Why tonight? As he stood there, face to face, eye to eye with the lady in white, he almost fell to his knees as though he was not worthy. He gazed at her, open-mouthed, and she smiled. She actually smiled back at him. As Albert stood motionless, she said one simple phrase to him. It's time. Time? Already? But it can't be. Here he was, standing in the doorway of his sitting room, fit and healthy. There must have been a mistake. He expressed his protest and she simply kept smiling at him until he was finished. Just then, the telephone rang to Albert's astonishment. Who could be calling at this time? It's a perfectly normal time for anyone to be calling, she said, and then added, Look to your bedroom. Without a word, Albert ignored the telephone and followed her instructions. On the way to the bedroom, he observed that there was a lot more light in the hall than there had been, almost as if it wasn't night at all. As he looked towards the open bedroom door, he stopped, flabbergasted. In the room were two people, a man and a woman. The woman was kneeling over Albert's bed, silent but for the diminutive sobs escaping her every now and then. She was holding the man's hand, who had taken the liberty of helping himself to Albert's bed. He moved closer to them, puzzled, and called out to them with no response. The man on the bed was not moving. As Albert moved close enough to the scene, he suddenly understood. The white lady had come with him to observe. Albert noticed out of the corner of his eye the silver necklace with the bright jewel. He asked her the simplest of questions. When? Last night, not long after you went to bed. Will she be okay? She's lost both of her parents now. In time, time heals all wounds. I didn't even feel it. No, it's like a bird's drifting through a cloud. Let's go. 
Albert had one chance to tell her that he loved her. Then all was white. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the story. If you'd like to hear more stories, please follow the podcasts.